This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hello, and welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. Today we're talking about sewing, body image, and mental health. I have those two big passions, sewing and psychology, and I was thinking about just how to combine those two. So I had the thought of just writing more mental health related uh, articles on my blog and just the feedback was massive. So I, I really got interested in what the actual like psychological concepts behind that kind of undefined feeling is that we all have about sewing's just good for us, but why, why is that? That's Charlie from This Blog Is Not For You. Charlie works as a psychologist in Munich, Germany and often writes about sewing and mental health. Helena and Charlie discuss sewing and how it promotes self-acceptance and self-compassion and how deconstructing our measurements gives us perspective so we don't feel compelled to label our bodies as good or bad or acceptable or not. And later on in this episode, we'll hear from Amy Toot, a lawyer from Brisbane, Australia, who is also passionate about sewing. It was Amy who shared Charlie's post with Helena and the two of them were excited to have a chat about how sewing contributes to their mental health. Now here's Helena and her conversation with Charlie. Today's guest is Charlie, and she writes the blog. It's called This Blog Is Not For You. I think that's a, an amazing name. <laughs> I love the irony of it. Um, and you've been blogging for quite a while, too, since 2012. So um, let's go back to 2012 and... Why'd you pick that name for your blog? A lot of people ask me that. Back then it was quite a spontaneous thing, I think. Uh-huh. I, want, like, I started my first blog. Um, it was supposed to be a personal blog. Mm-hmm. When I moved to London, I just had a lot of free time before starting uni and starting work and everything. So I wanted to get into blogging and I was just lacking a name and I read a book at the time that started with this book is not for you and I found that very funny it is funny so this is sort of how the name came about that's cute and I kind of stuck with it because it's just like like even if someone doesn't like my blog they just well I told them yeah, <laughs> <already>. exactly <laughs> you warned them <laughs> it's not for them so <laughs> <laughs> so don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cute that's awesome well that wasn't on our, our list of questions sorry but um I just as I was reading that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. I wanted to ask about that because it's so cute. I love that. Um, so you're living in Munich, but you blog in English, obviously, and you're really, really great with English because you lived in London. And so um, we get the pleasure of talking to you in English and your beautiful accent, which we totally we totally love. We love when it's not just us Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> it's great. So about your blog, um, well, why don't you tell us about your blog? And then it looks like you have some patterns for sale that mm-hmm. you've developed too and kind of your background with sewing. Yeah, I went kind of through different stages of blogging. First, it was a personal blog. I quickly, it quickly started to um, just develop into more creative sewing blog because that's what I I did most uh, mostly at that time um, and I just stuck to that niche and sewing is, is I think I have many hobbies but sewing is my favorite one and um, it just grew from there I think until a point where I had a lot of free time after um, finishing university so I started 
setting up a small business, um, creating my own patterns, selling them. Um, at the moment, uh, well, it's it's still a small business, but I'm trying to focus more on the hobby part rather than the work part because um, my work's really busy right now and I really just love blogging for a hobby, not for a business. So I, I'm still selling the, the old patterns or most of them are actually pay-as-you-wish patterns, but... Um, at the moment, I'm not planning to create any new patterns to sell. Yeah, so it's mostly just blogging projects and uh, little tutorials and stuff like that. Yeah, because you work as a psychologist full time, and so that yes, sounds yes. pretty busy. Um, starting a full career like that. Oh, you've been at it for a little while, right? If you've been out of university for a while. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's quite busy, and uh, I just. I use sewing now more also as a like de-stressing coping strategy mm -hmm. at home. So I, I'm trying to reduce the the worky bit um, uh, of my blog, so to say, sort of um, not accepting too many collaborations anymore. But at the moment, may, there might be a time where I pick it up again. But at the moment, I'm just enjoying sewing as a hobby and blogging every once in a while. But it's uh, calmed down a bit, I'd say. Well, yeah. yeah, it sounds like you took it pretty seriously for a while because you made your own wedding dress, which is comes with a bunch of pressure. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so tell us about sewing your wedding dress. That was, it's beautiful. It turned out beautifully, but I did read oh, thank you. the whole series of like making a corset and the corset not turning out. And then you were giving up on the embroidery, guys. The entire bodice is hand embroidered by her and she wasn't going to do it because she thought she was going to run out of time. And then she decided that she did have time. She wanted to take that on and she did an amazing job with it. So why don't you tell us about that process? It, it looked like quite an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind thinking about um, my wedding dress is just the word stressful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I... I like looking back, I really, really, really love that I've done it. I'm really happy about how the dress turned out. I love the pictures. The wedding was perfect, but the whole journey wasn't an easy, joyful, happy one. It was just very stressful, also very structured, lots of planning and organization. So the actual happy sewing bit that you usually have um, when, when sewing a project, that wasn't really part of it. Yeah. So it was lots of planning, organization. Um, a lot of fitting issues, um, construction issues. The corset was, uh, well, <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but, but back then that was stressing me out a lot. Oh, yeah. um, I spent weeks and weeks, maybe even months, constructing a corset that I didn't actually use. Yeah. Um, I just went and bought a very cheap stick stick on bra in the end that worked much better than the corset that I spent weeks and weeks on working so, um, yeah, it was super stressful, but looking back, I'm really happy that I've done it because I think there's only, for me, there's only once in a lifetime chance of sewing a dress like that. Yeah. That's almost three years ago. So since then, I haven't actually tackled any really huge projects. I've been kind of burned out by that project. Wow, three years. Like lots of easy, uh, uh, like more simple patterns, more simple cuts since then. I haven't 
um, done any haute couture techniques since then. I was really into that before. Yeah. And now I'm down to sewing knits on my overlocker. <laughs> Which is the one hour shirt. A lot more enjoyable now. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah it is fun. But still, I, I recommend doing it. Anyone that wants to do it, it's uh, an amazing experience, but um, it's a tough job as well. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it was beautiful. I love the shape of it, and I don't think you could have got that shape buying off the rack. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see dresses that shape, and it wouldn't have fit you like that, and it would have draped like that if you had just gone to the store and buy it, you know, bought it. And also, you know, it was hand-embroidered, so it had that motif that you specifically loved, so... That must be super special. Yes. So with theirs. Yes, I had I, I kept the option in mind of um, buying one. I think it's a, that's important if you sew, you sew your own dress to just keep that option just in case. Yeah. And but the only dresses that I liked were two dresses by Jenny Peckham, which is more like a um, Art Deco kind of style uh, designer. Uh-huh. And but her dresses are really expensive, so um I didn't want to spend that budget on a dress. So I thought like if I really want a dress like that I do have to make it myself. Yeah. And I, I copied the basic style. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah the embroidery just w- was done very spontaneously eight weeks before the wedding. I thought like I have a couple a little bit of time on my hands so why not just try it? And um, I worked on it non like nonstop for a couple of days or weeks even. Uh-huh. Yes, and I was actually surprised how well it turned out. Like, yeah, I never even expected it to be. Yeah, I thought it was an applique. Yeah. I thought it was maybe like an applique that you had um, put on, and of course that would have been too heavy because what was the outer fabric? Mm-hmm. It was um, like a silk organza or what? A very lightweight silk georgette georgette yeah something very yeah more drapey than an organza yeah you couldn't have put an applique on there it would have just kind of weighed the whole dress down so yeah that was really clever it was beautiful okay so we'll put um pictures of that up on the the website so you can all ogle that because it's beautiful (laughs) i just wanted to ask about your dog because your dog is so cute <laughs> he is <laughs> he's so cute what kind of dog is he he's a golden doodle so oh, he's okay. a no wonder. golden retriever poodle mix yeah yeah, yeah. and so really he must fluffy. be sweet then too because he's a golden retriever poodle mix i have two poodles so he i think he he's more like he's crazy oh he's he's got the crazy part of the poodle he's not very calm oh, um uh-huh. he's very sweet natured but but crazy. But crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have one crazy poodle and one that's more calm. So I can see that that happening. I know. And that's the, the thing about mixes like that. It's like, you don't know exactly what you're going to get if they're, yeah. but it's Yeah, fun. we were hoping for the calm part because <laughs> I wanted to train him as a therapy dog. But we got the crazy one and he's not really suited um, for work. For th- yeah, for therapy. For therapeutic work, so... But that's fine. <laughs> I think that anyone this season is just going to smile because he's so cute and um, yeah. and fluffy. And yeah, so that <laughs> is therapy. Like seeing his picture on the blog is therapy for me. Like it helps me out. It's adorable. <laughs> and you sew for him. And I just wanted to put, point that out that um, it is relevant to the podcast and to our sewing discussion because you do sew for him. You um, made him, I do, yeah. Yeah, what'd you make him? 
I made him lots of stuff when he was younger. Now that we've had him for a little while, this stock sewing uh, is less now. Mm -hmm. um, I made a whole set of collars for him, uh, blankets, pillows, dog beds, dog toys, um, everything you can think of, like treat bags. Mm -hmm. um, I had a like, very long phase before we got the puppy and then when he was very little where I just sewed for my dog. Yeah. I mean, other people sew for their kids. For their so. kids, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sew for my dog. <laughs> <laughs> makes perfect sense to me, absolutely. Uh, the reason I asked you on the podcast is because you wrote a really great article called The Impact of Sewing on Body Image, and uh, it got passed around to me from my friend Amy because we had been thinking and talking about this a lot, this concept of what we get out of sewing. And that, that sounds, obviously we get clothes out of sewing, but there's so many byproducts of it. And one important one that you cover is the effect of looking at your body as without, the, <laughs> I guess, without the attachments that we normally have mm -hmm. with our body. And the attachments that I'm talking about are definitely judgments, right? Um, they're not <laughs> usually... <laughs> not usually like, oh, my favorite, you know, my favorite thigh. It's not like that. Um, so I just thought that this article really was insightful because you're a psychologist and you have specific insight into what psychologists would deem is a healthy body image and what, what tools you use to work towards a healthy body image. Mm -hmm. So let's get into that a little bit. In the article, you say that since you've been sewing your own clothes, you tend to have a healthier body image than before. Um, I've been sewing my own clothes for so long that I don't think I have that like before and after dichotomy um, mm -hmm. to look at. So I thought it was, I thought it was really uh, interesting. What are your, what are the parallels between our skills as sewists and the skills needed to develop a healthy body image? I've been, I've been thinking about that for quite a while because as a psychologist, I noticed even how much sewing help, helps myself yeah. to calm down, de-stress. Um, I, I basically use it as a coping strategy mm -hmm. for de-stressing. And um, I also read about um, other people's experiences about um, the impact of sewing on body image. But, but there's very little research on that topic. So I basically sat down and tried to um, just think about what therapeutic strategies we use as psychologists to help people achieve a healthier body image and how they might be similar to what we do when we sew our own clothes. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the most important thing is um, that we are engaging with our bodies because one of the biggest problems is that when we feel uncomfortable or when we feel discomfort, we usually ignore, we block out, we disengage and try to ignore the problem, so to say. And um, in therapy, we all, always try to get people to re-engage in a more constructive way. Mm -hmm. And when sewing, we actually do that. We, we can't just ignore our body. Mm -hmm. um, if we want to make a dress or a T-shirt or trousers, we, we do have to work with our body. That's, we, we, we can't, there's no option of ignoring it. Yeah. Um, so we do have to engage and work with what we have. Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's a massive step, actually, um, towards self-acceptance and, and self-compassion to just work with what you have. And then also just the more objective 
um, yeah, the the more objective angle we get when when we look at ourselves um, while making something um, that that's supposed to fit ourselves. Because you you can't just stand there saying like I don't like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. That's not very constructive. You sort of do have to step back, think about the shapes, um, the forms where the fit issues are, you, you you constantly work at it from a more objective, non-judgmental, constructive angle, which is uh, basically what you would do with um, patients in therapy oh, that, okay. that are trying to develop a healthier body image, sort of stepping back, trying to describe what you see without judgment, uh-huh. um, without attaching any emotional... Um, statements to it mm-hmm. more like looking at it um it just focus on on basic observation basically right and we, we do that as as so as we we look at ourselves and think like oh we do have to tweak the shoulder a little or we have to take in the waist a bit it's not about just like i don't look how this i don't like how this looks overall you sort of do have to be constructive about it yeah how if can you i want to continue with your project so we do that automatically without really thinking about it, but it's actually a really helpful process to developing a different perception of, of yourself and your body. That's great news. I do think sometimes we despair if we're disappointed in the fit. So you think that mm-hmm. even though we, <laughs> I just a couple episodes ago was just going on and on about how uh, these pants aren't fitting me. And <laughs> I was listening to that podcast back or um, after we published it and I realized, oh, I sound so whiny about it. And um, I do notice that people don't usually do that. We don't, we might be doing it in our heads, but man, as soas, we do think constructively and we do try to get at the, you know, how to fix the problem in from a fit standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's so valuable. I mean, it was valuable to me then when, um, when one of our co-hosts kind of gave me a tip on how to kind of help me with that fit issue. I'm like, okay, see, it's not just me. You know, there's other people that are having this issue. I mean, (laughs) even that is a huge thing because there's so many different types of bodies that are sewing and that are blogging, which I appreciate so much because blogging is so much work. And, um, it's, so nice to see other I mean that in some ways uh it's the only time women get to see other bodies because everything in media is like tall thin you know 20 year olds Mm -hmm. and so man it is and and they also see it without um the usual judgmental way of whether this is pretty this is skinny this is too big or not too big you sort of just judge the the clothes by their looks yeah, and, and how the people how well they fit. Yeah, and how the people look like they feel in it too is a big thing. Yeah, like, um, you can tell when something is fitting someone right, and they feel really great in it. They take you know better pictures. You can see it in their face, and it's mm-hmm. so gratifying because we know that feeling when we've made something that actually fits us. We're like, oh, <laughs> look at me! I look so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and also uh, sort of um, being part of the sewing community, you just notice at some point that there's just no standard size, no no perfect size to achieve, mm-hmm. um, as with normal um, clothing categories, because you just notice that everyone has to make adjust- 
adjustments. Yeah, everyone um, You does. can't just buy a pattern and sew it straight from the envelope. Well, you can do that, but if you're really wanting to achieve a nice fit, you sort of do have to make adjust adjustments, and that's just part of the sewing process. So, yeah, it's basically included... Um, or it encompasses the fact that there is no standard. Yeah, yeah, that is. Which I really like. I know, it's really comforting, isn't it? I mean, even if you see a person and you're like, oh, well, tall, thin, you know, 20-year-old, mm -hmm. but they still have adjustments that they need to make. I feel like um, the longer you sew, the more you are comfortable and recognize that, and then it it doesn't become a big issue, like adding length to my torso like my rise length that kind of stuff it's like who cares if and and I noticed this when I was drafting patterns too is they give you some it seems like random numbers when they <laughs> are teaching you how to draft a trouser and they're saying okay yeah. well the 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 average rise is seven inches so go ahead and add seven inches here and you're like really I wonder how they came up with that because On me, it's nine, you know, like how come that's, <laughs> yeah. and you realize that they just kind of take a, a rough estimate of um, a starting point and it, it has no, there's no judgment in it. There, you shouldn't, you should not hold yourself to that because it is so arbitrary. Yeah. And it, I think it's also really helpful. Um, I know this might sound mean, but it's really helpful to see others struggle with fit. Yeah, too. no, yeah. I, agree. <laughs> like I, I have a friend who, and I uh, I really envy her looks. She's got the perfect, like in my eyes, she's got the perfect figure. But she's one constantly complaining about sway back adjustments, mm -hmm. um, like small bust adjustments, rounded back. She's she's always fitting her stuff to perfection, yeah. but, but she takes such a long time to do it whereas I like usually I don't have these issues when fitting and I'm like oh well maybe I'm not that oddly shaped <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. and I think she's super beautiful and she has has to make lots of adjustments so um obviously even I, I love her looks and and she's got the perfect figure in my eyes according to the pattern companies she doesn't so there's really no standard there it's just yeah. completely made up it is it's made up totally I also liked how you mentioned in the article that perhaps self-confidence can be strengthened by our creativity. Yeah, I do think that, that being creative helps a lot. Usually creative people are very good at problem solving. They do lots of uh, different hobbies. Um, and I think that, that helps uh, in terms of self-confidence in a way that um, or self-esteem that You have lots of different things that you value about yourself. And the more things you value about yourself, the more stable the perception of yourself is. So usually self-esteem might vary um, and it's quite, a, it's quite an unstable thing if you only base it on a single fact like the appreciation of others or looking great uh -huh, or uh -huh. achieving just a single goal yeah. but the more different things you have that you can do and that you like about the, yourself the more stable um, your your perception of yourself is and, and the things you can do so I think creative people in general do have more hobbies than others mm -hmm. they they or they just try out more hobbies they are usually interested in all sort of different things creative yeah. and uh yeah and also really really good at problem solving because if you're creative you sort of have to problem solve all the time which is a great skill to have 
Yeah, I I agree. It's like the metaphor of the three-legged stool. And if one of those legs goes out, then you fall on the ground. But if you had 10 legs on your stool, you could lose a couple legs. (laughs) Like you have a stable... That would be a weird-looking stool, but it would be super solid, right? You would, yeah. But that's a great metaphor, actually. Yeah, because you, you know. <laughs> and I think creative people have lots of legs on their stools. Yeah, yeah, they do. And, yeah. and I think just as as people in general, that's a good a good thing to kind of strive for, right? It's not mm-hmm. only that I'm this. Uh, for example, I run marathons, but I've been injured for a while, and. It's hard to be injured because I identify as a runner, but I have mm-hmm. these other things. Like I'm a podcaster and I, you know, I'm a mother. <laughs> I like how I put mother after podcaster. <laughs> this is not in <laughs> order of priorities, I swear. Um, I do have other things besides <laughs> just the sewing related things. But um, yeah, you can kind of lean on those other things. And I was just thinking of um, hobbies that I enjoy in my free time podcasting, I can lean more on that. I can lean more on sewing. I can lean more on other hobbies that it does seem like creative people have a lot of them. So yeah, life, it also means, uh, I think creativity just gives you probably better life skills. Because I mean, when you're sewing, you're problem solving, you're you're doing uh, adjustments, you have to be flexible. And that's also like Life. During day to day, it it really yeah helps in certain situations just to think outside of the box to sort of step back, be constructive about something, problem solve. I think that that re- really helps me mm-hmm. in lots of situations to just think more creatively than than maybe others do. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to bring up another point that I loved is. You mentioned that not having to shop was really <laughs> freeing. And so Lori and I uh, didn't buy any clothes last year. And so we did both notice that we didn't have to go into the stores and we didn't have to feel frustrated and we didn't have to um, like measure ourselves. And just, you know, you're, you've got the numbers on the clothes that you're kind of judging yourself with. You've got the posters on the walls of the stores that you're judging yourself against. There's just so much about the shopping experience that is not friendly to our psychological health, I guess. And yeah. that was really a yeah. good point. I, I agree. I agree. Sometimes even just the, the lighting oh, um, yeah, the lighting in front of the mirrors, it's horrible. I, sometimes I think they just do that on purpose. I'm I'm so glad I don't have to go shopping mm-hmm. anymore, and I don't. Um, I'm right now. I'm actually trying to think when I went shopping the last time. I I don't remember. Mm-hmm. The only things I I buy now are probably socks and underwear. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels so freeing because usually I I, I remember um, shopping as such a dreadful, disheartening experience. I didn't like shopping mm-hmm. because usually I I couldn't shop for any tight fitted dresses because um the top like the the my my torso is much smaller than than the my my bum mm-hmm. so i always have to merge between sizes and that's just not possible when you're going shopping yeah. um and also uh trouser shopping is the worst i hated that yeah. um i mostly wore leggings and dresses i think <laughs> so that's really freeing because you don't like when you just go um, clothes shopping, you stand there 
And it's quite disheartening because you sort of see that, or well, what most people think is that they have to change their body because they don't fit the clothes. Mm -hmm. And as sewers, we can actually say, wait, I can change the clothes to fit my body. So, so that's a big step forward, I think, just to bot like self-acceptance and, and healthy body images to say, no, I don't have to change. I can just change the clothes. And you're much more in control um, and, and you can make that choice, which is, I think, very empowering to just say, well, why change myself when I just can change the fit of my, my dress or trousers or T-shirts? Yeah. And, and that's just, I think it's very empowering and that's part of the fun of sewing, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree. You don't have to go hunting for what's going to work for your body. You're like, no, I have the freedom to wear what I want, what I really feel good in and when it fits me. I mean, anytime anything fits you well, you just feel so much better anyway. But um, but it's not dependent on some outside manufacturing source. I, yeah, I think yeah. that's great. And also like per personal style and uh, sometimes even budget um, yeah. is, is one of the better parts of sewing. Um, I can just sew whatever I like without having to see what's what's in store at the moment or whatever the trend is. And also, I think some, like not not in all cases, but in many cases, sewing things yourself is so much cheaper than buying stuff. Yeah. And it's also better for the environment, I think. Yeah. No, yeah, there's so many, so many uh, benefits. But specifically, what mindsets can we adopt and what self-care can we practice while sewing to help us with our body image? Well, as I mentioned before, probably also, just the, the stepping back, trying to see yourself as a shape or your body as a material rather than something that's skinny or too big or not attractive or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, sort of just working with what you have is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. And also trying to find the right level of difficulty. I think that's also an issue. Oh, a lot of people yeah. are disheartened by um, when they start sewing because they pick the hardest projects mm -hmm. um, and they, they encounter lots of fit issues. Yeah. So just finding the right level of difficulty and um, also having the courage to just drop a project if you notice that, that there are fit issues you can't tackle yet or just um, techniques that you're unfamiliar with. Also, choosing comfortable projects, I guess, is really helpful because what you kind of want to achieve while sewing or what's most helpful when sewing is getting into that um, flow state mm -hmm. where it's just the right mix of um, excitement and challenge, mm -hmm. but it's not too hard yet. I think that's a really healthy state to be in and it really helps to choose the right project for that. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. And that's going to help the self-confidence that we were talking about before. Yeah, sure, that, that too. And also, um, I think just the, just being proud of, of making yeah. something, that just creating something with your own bare hands yeah. and uh, finding your personal style also, I think, helps just develop sense of self and identity and be more independent of fashion trends and what ever is in stores at the moment I, I think that's just also very freeing yeah yeah I agree. And it's such a cool hobby to practice I know and it's kind of indie and um underground and not everyone does it so I do like 
I've, I know I've mentioned this. I do like when people think that you're just like a superhero because you sew your own clothes. And like, yes, I am. That is correct. <laughs> Even though it's totally a skill they could learn, but I do like, I like that recognition that because it is something we spend so much time and put our hearts into. So it's so nice to get that recognition for it. I agree. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, one thing that you mentioned is the difference between a body image and body positivity. Will you go into that? Because I thought it was an important point that we should mention. I'm actually not quite sure if there's an official distinction between the two terms. I think body positivity is just the more popular term that's just popped up in, on social media um, in recent years. Um, I, I only know body image as the like professional term. Mm -hmm. um, but I personally like to make the distinction. I don't think that there's an official discussion about it. It's just my, my own opinion of making a distinction between the two because they're often used um, synonymously, yeah. Um, yeah, interchangeably on, on social media. And for me, well, I'm a professional, so maybe I have a deeper understanding of the term, but for yeah. me, um, body image is a more holistic term and body positivity for me focuses on, on only the positive part, yeah. sort of the... Um, on unconditional self-love, mm -hmm. if you will, mm -hmm. which is really hard to achieve. So actually it's a term or it's a thing that's near impossible to achieve to have unconditional self-love. There will always be times when we feel negative about ourselves mm -hmm. or just feel discom discomfort and uh, we feel uncomfortable in our own bodies. So um, for me, body positivity actually is something that doesn't sound very achievable or not that realistic, I think. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just accept, like we will always have flaws. We will always think negatively about ourselves and, and just accepting those thoughts and our flaws um, and sort of incorporating them in our own perception of ourselves is, is the healthy part, not just trying to block out all the negative bits and just focus on the positive things. That might work for some, but it's not very constructive long term. I think it's really important point to point out that we aren't always going to feel and that's okay. And that body image is not, we're not striving for that, you know, that we have to feel great. And you don't want to feel bad about feeling bad about yourself, right? We're like, yes. we're all and trying that's, to... <laughs> that's the next issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they I, I even noticed a trend um, and I read some articles about the fact that there's even um, some some trends starting of shaming body negativity online I or know. on so social so media. Ironic. Because people are like, no, you're beautiful. Or yeah, they, they objectively consider someone beautiful so that that person doesn't have the right to feel negative about right. themselves their because that would be considered attention-seeking behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, that, that's what I mean about um, body positivity being a bit too one-sided for me. Yeah, I think. yeah, I yeah, but, I thought that was really insightful. But it's it's a popular term. It's it's probably catchier than than body image, and body image also has some really negative connotations in terms of self harm and eating mm -hmm. disorders. Mm -hmm. So I think on social media, body positivity just works better. Yeah, which is fine. Better. But mm -hmm. yeah, but but it just needs to be acknowledged that self image isn't going to be always body positivity. It encompasses yes, a lot more than that's that. Right. Yeah. 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 
I just want to mention your new article that you just published and it really resonated with me, even though it's not totally on topic, but I, I do this and I have done this in the past and I've talked about it on the podcast that I definitely make my hobby stressful and I definitely <laughs> make gold. I mean, it's always on my to-do list instead of as like a calm down or a treat or something. It's on my to-do list. Like I have to get this done today. I have to finish this project. I have to work on this. I have to blog. That is a big one. Um, and so you just wrote an article about, it's called Sewing Quietly, Prioritizing Self-Care. And um, what was it about? Basically, it came about, um, I, I took a break from blogging. Mm -hmm. I think it was about five to six months now, which wasn't planned at all. Mm -hmm. I was just feeling, um, well, too overwhelmed with um, balancing work and blogging and my ho all my hobbies. Like, I, I have a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I just quietly s took a step back, not very consciously, and then I feel, felt really, really bad about not not being online, not yeah. blogging. Um, and I was wondering why I felt that bad until I noticed that it's basically just the disappointment about my, my own lacking standards. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. Um, I, unfortunately, I do try to over-organize my own hobbies. So <laughs> I actually make it harder for myself than it should be. Mm -hmm. But I, I um, set very high standards, even on enjoyable things like sewing or crochet or knitting. Mm -hmm. So um, I've just thought about basically just following my own advice. I wrote an article about <laughs> why we shouldn't make our hobby stressful. And I, I took the courage and, and just said, well, I, I don't know how long that blogging break will take, but I'll just decide that it's okay because um, I was very busy at work. And um, what's really important when, when you try to keep a healthy work-life balance is to not create a work work balance basically um, right. which is what i did when you when you make your hobbies work yeah you just don't have life <laughs> in your balance mm -hmm. so i think prioritizing self care and being open about it um talking about it is really important mm -hmm. um you'd be surprised how how many positive reactions i get from people when i say sorry i have to cancel tonight i had a really stressful day i kind of need to prioritize calming down, de-stressing, can't make it tonight. Um, lots of people are very understanding and very appreciative um, or even say like, oh, that's great that you're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't have the courage to, to do that myself. Yeah. So um, I think that's really important. And also with our hobbies, like if we do not feel comfortable doing what we do, then we should stop. Like we should only do it when while we enjoy it. And if we feel like we're only doing it because we think we should or because we haven't done it in a long time mm -hmm. or because we need to block something, then we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And But it takes some courage to just accept that and to, to tell yourself it's okay. Yeah, I really appreciated that message because I definitely do that. So I'm glad... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you sent me that article. <laughs> like, oh, wow. This is, did you write You're this welcome. for me, Charlie? Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with the Clothes Making Mavens today. Uh, everyone should go read the article because she, she really uh, lays some facts down. And I know you said that there isn't a lot of research, but it looks like you mm -hmm. did a lot of research in researching your article. 
Even if you were yes, looking for I research did. that doesn't exist, I still think you made some great parallels and put some effort into oh, that article. Thank you. So it's it's really a valuable read that I think you guys should check out. We'll link it up in the show notes. And um, and just check out this blog is not for you. It might be for you. You know, you <laughs> go ahead and try so. it out. She doesn't <laughs> promise. But it might be it for might you. Be. <laughs> so thank you so maybe, much. Maybe I should rename it into this blog might be for you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> try it out. No pressure, but try it out. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Charlie. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. Okay. Next, we have an interview with Amy Toot, a lawyer from Brisbane, Australia, that blogs at Making Marilyn, Emulating L, and is an active member of the Spoolettes. We met online during the Ready to Wear Fast last year, and I love talking to her, and I love the perspective she brings to the sewing community. After she sent me Charlie's article, we were eager to discuss our relationship with sewing and how, without a doubt, it contributes to our mental health. The main topic that I wanted to talk about, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on, is sewing and self-esteem, like the link between sewing and self-esteem and mental health. And um, I think we can look at that two ways, and I have lots of thoughts on both ways. Uh, the first way I was thinking about it is that sewing helps uh, our self-esteem and our mental health in regards to our body image. But also the way that making garments creates confidence and kind of soothes our anxiety in the process of creating a garment. And, you know, we're doing something for ourselves and taking that time out for ourselves. So I thought those two things were probably plenty for us to talk about, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, the reason why I sew uh, is probably because, well, I like doing it. And it's fun, but it's something so different to my work. I I started sewing about the same time I went back to law school. Um, I was 27 when I started law school, so all of my law school friends are a decade younger than me. Um, but I still have <laughs> law school friends, so that's good. Um, mm-hmm. But I took up sewing because I'd started knitting a few years before with some um, of my arts degree friends. And I picked up sewing because it was faster than knitting, Um, basically to get something. And my good friend Melissa is this amazing sewist. She made this beautiful wedding dress. And so I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll do that. But I have found over the years that sewing for my mental health has become really important. So um, for the last 18 months, I was an incredibly stressful litigation role. And I would always try and have a sewing project on the go so I could have something to come home to that I was good at. I found Mm -hmm. that um, being a junior lawyer sucks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Everything you do is critiqued. And so to come home to something that feels so different to my work and something that I think now I'm quite good at that it gives me a way to maintain my self-esteem when it's constantly beaten down at work. Um, It's not that bad, but I also have a predilection for depression and and anxiety like all lawyers. So um, I find that doing something that's so different to work. And it's also 
you know, it's um, it can be meditative. You know, like last night I was cutting out a pair of shorts and I just had some music on and was just there cutting and it was just so relaxing because I could be there in the moment with the fabric and I hate yeah. meditation. I'm not one for it, but sewing gives me that. And look, I didn't have the greatest last 18 months in terms of my mental health. So my psychologist is keen for me to keep sewing because one, it gives me a social aspect with the Brisbane Spoolettes. They're so good. I have so many amazing friends from that group. In fact, I had breakfast with one of them this morning. Um, but also it's kind of a, you know, it's a way to, you know, share information. We all get nerdy together. Um, mm -hmm. So that really helps. Um, and speaking of being nerdy together, the Australian Open, which is a tennis competition, has been on for the last couple of weeks. Um, it's always on at this time of year, and I always question the utility of that because it's been, you know, 40 degrees in Melbourne. <laughs> so that's right. been a bit hot. Um, and, you know, running around in the heat is a stupid idea. Um, but uh, one of the spoolettes came up with the idea of turning pictures of Rafael Nadal into sewing memes. And so <laughs> we've been doing that and having quite a bit of fun with that. Yeah, I think I think sewing, especially for, um, you know, really maintaining your mental health and having something that's outside of you is good. It's not all about yeah. your being and, um, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, we've talked about sustainability on the podcast recently and becoming more mindful of what we make and how much we consume and things like that. But I also think there's this other side of um, enjoying the process so much that perhaps you do make things that aren't as practical, not you specific. I'm talking about me because I make jackets like crazy and I live in Southern California. So I just, um, that creative process is so valuable to me that even if it's not the most logical or it's not the most sustainable or I, I still think it's just a vital part of my mental health that, um, that is, is an interesting thing to, to talk about and think about and, and value too. So I, I'm excited that you are, you see the value in that, in that process. Yeah. I think, yeah, the creative process is really, um, it's so interesting that you say process and I say process. Um, <laughs> Sorry, my <laughs> my mum was an English teacher before she became a school principal. Well, and an and a history teacher, um, so you can probably see where my nerdery comes from. Um, but yeah, it's the creative process. So like, if I'm having a shitty day at work, you know, I think about going through my stash in my head or using my Trello app now that I've photographed and catalogued all of my fabrics and patterns. Um, I'm so impressed with that. I'm so, so impressed. I, I invited you over to do this for mine and I don't know why I'm you haven't coming. taken me up on it. Come this year. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so doing that kind of, it gives me a, a few minutes away from the oh, God, this person on the other side of this litigation has said I've done X, Y, Z wrong, and I haven't. They've just said that because it's, you know, all about strategy and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, just having a way to pet my, my fabric without actually petting it 
I guess. And I think um, there's really two sides to the whole mental health thing. There is the creative process and having something to occupy your mind instead of, you know, the depression and the kind of depression yeah, that I, I get, which is all about low self-esteem and mm-hmm. essentially battling my brain when it tells me I'm crap, excuse my French, all the time. Um mm-hmm. So there's that, but then there's the other side of the physical in terms of you can make clothes that actually fit you and look good on you. And so I find those two things together really help. Well, and running on the treadmill really helps with the anxiety, which also helps with pants fitting because my leg muscles are getting really lovely at the moment. Um, But, yeah, I think having those two things comes to a point where you can actually – accept your body and go, I'm not the problem. The pattern's the problem, but I know how to fix the pattern to make it fit me perfectly. Yeah. I I think it's great that we have indie pattern companies that have, you know, plus size patterns, but, you know, everyone needs to make some sort of adjustment to the clothes to get it perfect. No one is um, exactly yeah. the block for no every the... kind of pattern. That's correct. And yeah, I think just in general, from a technical perspective, I love how everyone's been posting exactly what the pattern adjustments that they've they've made or do make or on ongoing basis have had to make for different ones. I think that's really interesting because some of those things, first of all, I had never heard of them. I do remember the first time somebody um, explained what a a forward shoulder, or I read, actually, it wasn't in person, um, what a forward shoulder adjustment was. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally need that. That will, that'll fix everything. Because, you know, when you adjust, you adjust from the, the shoulders on down. And that when you fix the things up top, it helps everything down below sit better. So when I got those shoulders finally right, oh, it was a revelation. So that was help. I think that's been helpful on a technical, um, note and also of course on a on a emotional note we're all making adjustments we're all tweaking those patterns and it is not our bodies that are wrong it is just um we're we're taking a two-dimensional item fabric and we're making it into three dimensionals it's going to be tricky it's going to be it's going to be everybody's unique and that's okay that is that's what we get to do we we get the privilege of doing that, actually. Yeah, and, yeah, you're right about the privilege part and the fact that, you know, if everyone was the same, how boring would life be? Mm-hmm. You know, if everyone looked like a six-foot-tall supermodel, um, in one ways that wouldn't be special, but in another ways, why would you want everyone to be exactly the same? You know, variety is interesting. People need to be different, and you need to accept yourself and as I said to I see a personal trainer twice a week to deal with stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety and I said you know I've wasted 37 years hating my body I'm like it doesn't do anything other than make me upset it doesn't benefit me um I mean yes it benefits dieting companies but you know it doesn't actually do anything and as I said to my friend this morning Imagine what we could achieve if we didn't hate our bodies from the age of 14. Amy and I were inspired by Charlie's article, so we went on to discuss some of the points. She said uh, measuring your body 
really puts it in this neutral and accepting place. It's more like a, a problem, like a math problem that you have to figure out the answer to and not so much, or an engineering problem and not so much a, a judgment, you know, cause there is no judgments. You, you just have to make it fit. You have to make it work. So do you think that that's true? Do you think you just have to get comfortable with these numbers and did, did that part resonate with you? It, it does. And look, I, um, I don't, I haven't weighed myself and known the numbers in a very long time. My trainer weighs me every now and then, um, mm-hmm. but I refuse to know how much I weigh. Um, mm-hmm. I know what size I am and I know that numbers have gone up, but, you know, it's also that I can lift more weight so there's more muscle there. And so, yeah, I think you can look at the numbers and beat yourself down and go, you know, I'm not going to fit this pattern or it can be, well, the pattern doesn't fit me. Why don't I make the pattern fit me? Yeah. Yeah. If you have those skills. Well, and just think of it as numbers, not as my numbers. It's just, these. Are, this is what I have to work with. I tend to think of it that way because the sizing is not, it's not consistent. So you just kind of have to go over your numbers and figure that out. And I mean, the numbers don't make you a good or bad person. Having a bust of, what am I now? 110 centimeters. Um, that doesn't make me a good or bad person. It doesn't, you know, mean that I'm living a less than fulfilling life. It doesn't mean that I'm a horrible person who is mean to everyone I come across. It just means my bust is 110 centimeters. That's literally all right. it means. Um, yeah. And it's very hard for women um, in the way that especially our generation was brought up, and I'm sure that your daughter won't have this problem because she's got an amazing mother. And, look, um we're a lot more aware of these things now, but coming to the point where it's just a number, it's just your size as a human being and beating yourself up about it just does not help. And the other thing I like going back to what you were saying before about it being a maths or an engineering problem, I think in some ways we should call sewing fabric engineering. That would be awesome. I love that because it is very similar to engineering in like our materials and our and the way that we have to put them together, yeah, and the way we treat, the way we treat the materials. I think that that'd be so cool, and also it just makes it sound less like an old-fashioned fuddy-duddy thing to do, and more like the badass, you know, problem solvers that we are. Yes, because that's what we're doing mm. in the sewing room. Yeah, and it involves maths. Um, it's got spatial awareness. All of those things that traditionally women have been told we're not good at right so yeah. you know why isn't it something that is more valued because it's one of the biggest industries in the entire world and yes it's so undervalued you know mm-hmm. people who sew yeah. like people who make our clothes should make more money because they're engineers as sewers We really don't need any convincing that our sewing hobby is not just creative and productive, but also valuable and vital to our mental health. We'd love to hear how you use sewing to get to a happier place mentally. There's so many more aspects of this that we'd love to discuss with you. Why don't you go to our website at clothesmakingmavens.com to leave us a message, or you can find us on Instagram or join our Facebook group where we can have some great conversations on these kinds of topics. Thanks for listening and happy sewing. Happy sewing.